Hi, welcome. This is the first podcast we're trying to do. Uh, this is me interviewing people I know. Uh, today I'm interviewing Chris Bales and we're going to discuss things about uh, where he grew up, what he, uh, why he joined the army, um, why he left the army, uh, what he's done since then and anything else that crops up really. So let's get on with it. Uh, hi Chris, how are you doing? I'm not too bad Andy, how are you? Yeah, I'm good mate, I'm good. Um, right, so the first questions really we want to go into is uh, talk about your early life, where you grew up, what it was like, uh, was any big memorable experiences from there? So I was uh, born in Ashton, but I moved away as a young child um, up into North Northumberland. I lived at a place called Netherwitten to start with. Where, never um, heard of it. Netherwitten. It's no, near, it. just outside of Morpeth. Oh, Long Horsley Way. Alright, yeah, yeah. Where um, my dad worked as a gamekeeper, my mum worked for the uh, Lord of the Manor round there, who is um, Trevelyan, who now own, I believe she's mayor or something around here somewhere. Or oh, well, she's the MP. Yeah. I've never, never heard of her. So <laughs> Lord of the Manor, so it's like very 1950s. Yeah. Sort of thing. Upstairs, downstairs, and all that. Kind of. But then um, from that, <laughs> the rest of Castle. Oh yeah, I remember you telling us years back you lived in Ch- you grew up in Chillingham Castle, didn't you? Is it Chillingham Castle? It was Chillingham, yeah. Um, my mum worked in the tea rooms and my dad got the um, manager's job. So with it being a tourist attraction, needs to be managed um, during season and maintained out of season. Yeah. So we spent a good few years living in there. I mean, that's, that, that's famous for all the, the ghost hunting and stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah. They did a bit while I was there. So to give you a rough time frame, the team that came up when I was young were Sarah Green and Simon Mayo. From Simon Radio Mayo? One. I don't remember him doing it. From Radio 1? Yeah, I don't remember. I remember Sarah Green doing it with uh, oh, Derek Acora. Derek Acora was years, years later. Yeah. But no, Sarah Green. Well, he, is, he never came back to prove anything, mm, did he? No. But with Sarah Green and Simon Mayo, and then towards the time that I was leaving the castle, I'm not sure how old I was, was um, when they did the first real televised one. And it was uh, Julie Goodyear who arrived in a horse drawn carriage in a bloody um, full bet get up. Oh, yeah, of Coronation Street, Ben Lynch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. It was like, <laughs> appeared out of the fog. So you enjoyed living in the castle then, did you? Loved it. It's a random place to um, call home. Yeah, true. Not a lot of people, many people can... So where were you going to school then? Anik. Well, I started off at Chatton First School. Yeah. Which is the very, like, well, Chatton CV First School. Um, I don't even think it's open anymore. It was pretty much a school just for people in that village maintained by people from that village. Sounds, sounds like a league of gentlemen. Very much so. <laughs> then middle school in Muller. Yeah. And high school in Anik. So which, when, did you, when did you end up in Ashington then? It was, I was Ashington before right. um, first school so it was like my very early years I was living in Ashington so I didn't really get to form any friendships and lifelong links to this area but all my immediate family, their relatives live here still. Yeah. Here and about. In Stakeford and places like that. Where? Stakeford. Stakeford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not go on to that one. Eh? Um, right, so when did you join the army then? So, And what made you want to join the army? Considering you lived out in the sticks and stuff like that, you know, fancy following in your, your father's footsteps, gamekeeping and stuff like that. What made you want to join the military instead? I really enjoyed my time in cadets, and I know the army wasn't the same, but uh, I first approached the careers office at uh, 14 and got told I was too young. Couldn't go in at that point, but they did let me know at that point that in, so this would have been 1996, that in 1998, the Army Foundation Colleges was opening, which was basically junior leaders reforming. Yeah, yeah, I remember it when it, it opened. Yeah. Because I, I did junior leaders, I joined 85. 
I went to junior and he's in 85. So I was accepted into the foundation college, but they had too much of an intake in the January. Yeah. So I joined the... No, sorry. Basically, I went in in um, 1998. They had too much of an intake the back end of 97. Yeah, the, because it was a new thing. Yeah. Too many people joining. They don't have that trouble now, do they? So in time at Harrogate, did you enjoy that? It was an experience. Um, it's an experience that's informed the personality I am. So back then, they didn't... I can't remember the... I was too young to remember the reasons that you nearly just closed. It was just cut. All right. Well, when the Army Foundation College opened, it opened under. I know the they didn't quite know how far to push people, and that wasn't all the mental health side of things that there is now, and they they pushed some people a bit too far, and. Yeah, but when you can say that at any time of training. You could. You know, you you've got to push people far. You've got to break them down and build them back up again. But you know, it's like you say though. I think they were learning. But yeah, I mean, the, the, um, new, the new one they were doing because that you know every branch had a junior leaders before that, mm. and they all closed just due to the cuts. They had options for changing the nineties. That was all part of that, I believe. I, I, I might be wrong, but I think that's what it was uh, down to. I know at the time though, I know there was a few called um, death by misadventure, the people that well, haven't yeah, been quite yeah, caught. Yeah, uh, I kind of remember them. And then one, I'm not sure if I've ever really discussed it with you. I tried it. Well, you weren't very good at it. Good. Exactly. Gladly. Um, my only memory of it really is I remember a sergeant poking us in the ribs right with a stick, fucking saying, I can't even kill myself properly. <laughs> Sympathy of the devil and all that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I, you've never told me that before, so I didn't know. Uh, do you want to talk about that bit or? No, then, well, there's not really much to talk about. It was I felt really low at the time. Yeah. Um, didn't want to be there. Didn't for some reason took it into my head that I didn't want to continue life. We just um, was it down to homesickness or bullying or probably a combination of all. Yeah. It, it's something that I wouldn't really talk about because like blokes don't generally talk about this sort of thing. Well, I mean, but since I've as done, we'll find out later, you are in that area now of your life where you understand where people should be doing that, and you which it. is informed why I do speak about this, and it's probably informed why I do what I do now. Yeah. So when you so after Harrogate, you'd have gone down to Lark Hill to do your trade training. So anyway, going back to when you joined up, why did you pick the artillery, or was it just that there was a space? <laughs> So the honest reason was um, I passed out as a fuse layer. All right, okay. I didn't know that either. Yeah, passed out of um, the Army Foundation College as a fuse layer, and this was stood on the pass out parade. Which another story was the night before the pass out parade, um, we all went to the Naffy Bar and um, watched, let's say, an adult movie. I promise this does come back to the whole thing, and um, later, sorry, the next day. When the Passau Parade was, it was the biggest Passau Parade in the history of the place because it was three companies passing out at the same time. Channel 5 were there recording it. And lo and behold, the brass band that was there playing the music started playing the music that was on said adult uh, film. Right, so okay. we're all trying there not to crease. Uh. And it was during this time of trying not to absolutely burst out laughing that I came to me thinking, I don't want to be canon for it. <laughs> so from the Passau Parade, <laughs> I marched straight to the um, company saw major at the time. Yeah. I said, I didn't want to go um, fuse layers. You know, where do you want to go? Someone went and get a trade. He said, well, artillery. So he lied to you. So yeah, I went the artillery. Right, so um, I'm just going to grab a beer. Hang on. Go on, yeah. Hello. 
bad introduction starting off Rory on the beer. Um, so you moved from there, you decided to join the artillery. Uh, you didn't have a good time at Arrogate. Was it any better at Lark Hill? For Lock. those who don't know, when you Lark Hill, when you join when you join up when you join the artillery, you go to Lark Hill to do your trade training, whether it be on the guns, signals, logistics or whatever. So when you leave, you leave basic training or leave uh, Foundation College Harrogate, you then go to Lark Hill to do your training. Lark Hill was an informative time. I did a lot of courses there. Um, I was meant to... Well, I did the RA driver's course, which was, um, I believe, four tenner at the time. Right. And the day that I was meant to sit me test, one of my friends had been caught for um, driving without insurance. So I went to court with them. I informed the course tutor. But then when I came back, they said that I failed to turn up to the course. So I got binned off it. Just before then, I had to wait months and months and months before they were running a different course. So it's like a recurring thing goes through your yes. career, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I had to wait months and months before um, I could get into another course. And then I chose to do the signals side of things, which we'll find out later how that went. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, when I joined up, I joined you and the leaders, went in through and did, um, wanted to do signals, but was told I was too stupid mm. and ended up on the guns. I mean, later in the years, I ended up doing signals, which is what I always wanted to do anyway. But I mean, when I joined up, I was joining the Air Corps, Army Air Corps, and we used to have to go down to Sutton Caulfield then to do a, an assessment, do a three-day like course type thing. And it was on there that you do your final tests and your physical assessment and stuff like that. And they basically told me, there's no spaces, you'll have to wait till next year. And I literally, I was, I hadn't even finished my exams at school. So it was 85, it was around May time, April, May, uh, when I went down to do that. And I did that and I went, oh, I, I want to get in. I just, I didn't want to be hanging around over mm. like what I'd class with classes, summer holidays. Cause I just knew, you know, mates were, I, I came from Article. there was no jobs or anything like that. So I just said, I'll oh, sod it, I'll, I'll, what's available? And they said, oh, the artillery. Oh, what's that? Read this book. I'd like, oh, that sounds great. They go abseiling every year, you know, and stuff like that. And it's all, oh, they're going yachts and everything. You know, was, they just showed me about the adventure training. Yeah, that was a lot I thought it was going to be great. Yeah. Lots older than the adventure training side of things. Yeah, so I think, yeah, it was a bit of a shock. But when I got on, um, my grand was alive still at the time. And I told her the year before my granddad had died. And I told her that I'd uh, got in the artillery and she was over the moon because it turned out my granddad uh, was in a artillery unit, searchlight battery during the Second World mm. War. So, yeah, we had a bit of family history uh, with that. What? So, carry on at Larkhill. You've no, so been doing more courses at Larkhill then. More courses. So, as it was, I was on the um, the basic signals course Yeah. Uh, within the school. And unfortunately, while I was on the course, um, my grandma passed. And I had a word with the Padre, stuff like that. And it was, I was taken back on the camp and they basically said that um, it'd be too detrimental to take me away from the course to let us go attend the funeral. And the only way that I'd attend that would be to go AWOL. With them words, I walked off camp. I came back a fortnight later and um, went up in front of the BC, the try to charge, and I said I was given permission. I said, what, what do you mean you were given permission? I said, the only way that they said you were going to get there is if you go AWOL. So I didn't wait for a response and did. And what happened? What did you get? Nothing. They couldn't date us within. You're lucky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very. I got held back for a bit longer. <laughs> but... So, I mean, it's, I can't remember how long Clark Hill Phase 2 training is. Is it it's a three, four months? <laughs> it is. Obviously, it wasn't for you, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit longer for me. I met some characters there. Yeah, I mean, Dark Hill is one of them places where you get told you're going to go to one of course and everyone dreads going there because there's that many people there and it's just, it's a, it, there can be a bit of bull when you're going there. Mm. Um, but like like you, you, like you know, I, later on in my career, I ended up getting a post in there for two years uh, and I loved it. Yeah. absolutely loved being there. But I mean, most of the time I wasn't in work, I was doing tug of war for the regiment, but that's a different story I've been posted there twice in my career for two years at a time so you left Lark Hill and what happened there you went where 
left Lock Hill and eventually came to join the 3-9 regiment in Newcastle. Was that one of your choices or was it, you were just told you were going there? I was told I was going there and as it turned out it was my home regiment. By this point my family had moved back to Blythe. Yeah. So it was like 20 miles away from home. Of which I never went to for four years. <laughs> I preferred to stay on camp and be one of the lads. Well, I mean, the thing is with UK regiments, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Germany and I found that the regiments that are in Germany all were closer together. They were closer knit. I mean, when I come and joined 3 9 Regiment, I noticed a big difference in that regiment compared to where I come from. And it was just, I mean, literally, come Friday afternoon after COS PT, that camp was empty and there was mm. nothing on it. There was nothing there for anyone. Well, see, when I first got there, 176 Battery were the battery that sort of ten, the, the majority of the battery that lived in the block stayed in the block yeah and we did everything together so we had that close knit relationship but when I first arrived at the regiment the um, battery was in Northern Ireland so I was on gate duties for a couple of months so we were on rear party then while they were doing that yeah. yeah and then the day of my 18th birthday got called up the battery hangar and I was asked what I knew about Northern Ireland. Said so a lot, and then read up, you're going out the night. <laughs> <laughs> so you've gone to, oh, can't Bally, oh, what do you call that place? Went to, uh, I went to Ballykinlet to do. Ballykinlet, that's it. I was going to say Ballykelly, I don't know. No, I went to Ballykinlet to do um, my NIBAT training, Yeah. which um, consisted of training through the day and brown ale during the night. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. The less said about that the better um, so where were they where was the regiment at when we were in Ireland then at that point they were in South Armagh but they moved they came back and then pretty much went out again straight away and we took over Gerbil Barracks alright okay any incidents there Um, something that I can't repeat on radio what I said to Jeff Hood and Tony Blair yeah let's, let's not go with that well you can if you want I'm not bothered no so um it's punishment for something that I've done. I can't even remember what I did to be punished for. I was polishing a road sign, you know, the 20 mile an hour or whatever they are. Yeah. And I uh, got all the ones to see, like the faces in the back of a mirror, like the artillery likes to, these sort of things. And um, someone came up behind me and said, um, do you feel valued in the job that you're doing? I'm like, do I? No, um, I'm just doing it because some person is visiting today I think it's an absolute farce it'd be the nicest way to put it and it turns out the person that had asked us was Jeff Moon, who was currently the defence minister and behind him was Tony Blair well at least they got the answer they wanted well probably not wanted but hey and the same on the RSM yeah probably not good Simon but I mean why would they let someone you know let them go up and talk to you basically so I did a bit more gate duty out there yeah and a good few patrols and then I returned back to England so on once you returned to England uh, went back in, you'd go back into normal routine then of training building up building up exercise training did you do any more tours? yeah um, pretty much straight away I attached myself to 5-7 battery who now aren't part of 3-9 well 3-9 doesn't exist as yeah. a whole anymore and went out to Kosovo where I spent six months in an ops post. Is that interesting? Yeah, well, using unmanned air vehicles out there, then something that I'd never used before when I was on the computer system, which I believe at the time was Bates. Yeah, Bates. So Bates came in, that was the battle, battlefield artillery target engagement system. It was supposed to be the uh, be all and end all of uh, artillery. And it was billions over budget and 10 years late and it was shite uh, we used it mainly to send text messages to each other on stag on night and stuff like that don't get me wrong it worked mm. and it was quite you know but it was the stuff it replaced um, was ancient it was from like face I mean you won't know because you were MLRS, MLRS regiment so you wouldn't dealt with face and stuff like that no no 
um, that was it was ancient. It was like valves. It wasn't like transistors. It was like coal in the back on the morning to warm it up to get it going in the afternoon. Uh, but Bates was replacing all that, and it was supposed to be brilliant. Uh, but like I was saying, it was just that. It was ten years too late, and it didn't last that long. And it was, but it was good. You know, it did what it needed to do and stuff like that. People didn't really like it. They want that, the guys who were working on it and stuff like that. So in Kosovo, did you any incidents there? It was a no. very quiet tour for you. Kosovo was a quiet tour for me. For the regiment, it was. Um, there was a few instances, but it was just the lads being lads. Um, at one point, the base heat just on the battery. Because um, <laughs> we were there as a battery, but our so base... they, these aren't like really like war, they're not war stories, really. No, no, we were there as a battery, but the BC was in charge of the regiment that was also there, which was Forty Reg. Yeah, and that was one incident one night where, um, basically, fire extinguishers got set off. The alarms for the whole camp were going. They had everyone on parade. Um, throughout the whole camp and the only soldiers covered head to toe and phone were his yeah it happens yeah so well, it, it happens with every regiment you know at some point but you know it is, it's part of military life really uh, oh, it is it's character at time in the time it's a bit naughty but look, look back on fondly later on even the BC probably look back and thought Jesus Christ or you know so we came back from Kosovo back to um, Northumberland and then where was it from there? Oh, enjoy the beer. So once I got back to the regiment, basically, um, I was told that I'd missed the shot for, like, the carter courses and the people that, so that be new like, people come into the regiment yeah. since I was there. So I was kind of held back a bit. So I was waiting around for the next tour or the next course. I did a lot of time on the front gate. Which doesn't help your career. No, it doesn't. It doesn't get you seen and people just see you sitting back as if, oh, he's useless type of thing. So you, you know, I know you went back to Lark Hill, so what happened there? How did that, how did that come about? The first time was, um, again, I've not put myself in a good light. There was, uh, I'd injured myself before Kosovo or after must have been after Kosovo I'd injured myself and I was coming back from an injury and we had COs PT on a Friday it was beat the CEO and the RSM in are you going again Um, we ran around my fitness was never really great but I could keep up yeah I and, <laughs> anyway got back to the gym towards the end of it and I think the RSM ran the last mile with this and um, I fell in and I got put into a group for people to go again and then there was people that came behind me uh, mainly like Remy and people like that that were there and they fell back in with the batteries and I decided to question it which <laughs> this is a running pattern throughout my career and I had an opinion early and I questioned it quite often at the wrong um, time at the yeah. wrong time and at this point it happened to be like when they had a palladium sort of thing set up for the CEO to give his speech and it was picked up on the main microphone <laughs> so um, after a bit of recorrective training in the gym for a couple of hours I was uh, sent to see my um, I'm trying to think of his title BSM who was a very nice man and uh, informed me that oh. informed me that um, basically I messed up and the regiment would like to see me progress into a position down at Lock Hill where I went to the Brigade HQ. Oh yeah, you went to Warminster first, wasn't it? Not <laughs> HQ Land Command Wilton. Yeah, so yeah. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? So you've got soldiers that you would consider that might be a bit naughty and a bit we want to get them out of the way. Typical army, isn't it? Just sweep them under the carpet, throw them somewhere else. We'll send them to HQ Land Command where they'll be seen by everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't just 3-9 that did that. The regiments do it as well. No, so I spent 
a year living on the HQ Land Command and it was a different place because it was all officers there. There was very few lower ranks. So they had like a kitchen that you could pretty much have 24 hour access to. We had phones in the rooms and we could bring them for food and they didn't know your rank. <laughs> so <laughs> I must say a few times after I've been out for a night out, I did bring them a few times for a plate of chicken nuggets and chips. Fair enough. And they got them? Yeah. Oh, well, you can't want it that, can you? So you did a year down there and then back to... I was nearly three years at them. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, nearly three years with Army Brigade HQ. So you were just a driver? No, no, I was there. There's, like, signaler. I did my land trucks course while I was there. Right. Uh, so did you go back to 39 to do that or no no I did it as um, Brigade HQ when I was at Brigade HQ I did my Landstrax course from there well they ran a Carter course there they ran a Carter course within um, 3-2 Reg so oh the three, was, you went to 3-2 Reg to do it I attached yeah. myself to 3-2 for yeah. the Carter course but under the title of Brigade HQ not under 3-9 Reg so did you get promoted down there? Was that got better like uh, better? Promoted was a long time later. As I said, I had an opinion and I used to use it quite often. Which yeah, I mean, uh, my, my own promotion didn't really come around very quick either. I was a gunner for 10 years before I got promoted. I think they just felt sorry for me. So you spent three years down there, then it was back to Albemarle, mm. back to 3-9 Regiment. But again, while I was there, I learned a lot. I did multiple exercises out in Germany I can't Arcade Fusion yeah was out there three times um, I helped out with the map and layout like creating the maps for um, the plan war that will happen while we're there yeah um, and we did a adventure training we went to Lake Garda in Italy did a lot of mountain climbing with who was the brigade commander then, Colonel Knightley, who was the CEO of 3-9 when I first got joined up. All right, okay. So it, it swings away, you come around in a circle with him. Oh, I came around in the circle and the officer who was in charge of me in Kosovo was the wife of the BC from HQ Land Command. So everything sort of like came full circle. <laughs> Fair enough. So after that, back to 3-9, then did a stint at 3-9 and then you went back to Lark Hill. As I came back to 3-9, did a stint at 3-9 when it was, I was mainly working in the stores. Yeah. I, by this point I returned, um, I was put into 5-6 battery. Yeah, so headquarters battery, yeah. Headquarters battery and that was one day that I was down doing battery runner and there was a phone call came to the battery office which I picked up. And they were asking for the whereabouts of a gun of bales. Like, um, that's myself. Like, where are you? I'm like, well, you've just rang. I'm obviously in the battery office. You're meant to be in um, Afghanistan with us. It was 176, basically. Um, when I was brought back, I was meant to be put back in the Abu's. Oh, this is when I was in the ACMO's office? Yes. Yeah. I remember this. Yeah, I can't. I kind of remember it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was basically I was attached to five six, where I shouldn't have been. I was meant to go back to one seven six, or three five. I can't remember which it was at the time. So, when did you go back to Lark Hill? That was before that. That might have been on my second return from Lock Hill. Yeah, that's no, I'm you've got the timeline a bit wrong there. Yeah, because yeah. you you were, you came back from Lock Hill after I joined the regiment. Yeah, when yeah. did you join the regiment? Two thousand six. Right, so I went back to Lock Hill two thousand five. Yeah, that makes sense. Two thousand four, two thousand five. I think you were slow down on MPs, mate. It's only my second. I know exactly. Um, no, so I remember you coming back to the regiment. Um, I mean, you were a lance jack then. So did you get promoted to go down at Lock Hill or? I got promoted prior to Lock Hill. Yeah. Well, you're going down there. You had to be a lance track to do that job, didn't you? Yeah, I had to be a lance track to do that job, but I got promoted like way before yeah. Lock Hill was in the periphery. 
So you did another two years down there. A bit longer. <laughs> the story of your life, innit? They didn't want you back, did they? You tell me. You're working in the RCMO's office at the time, I remember ringing you. Yeah, asking me to return. Um, no comment. I couldn't possibly comment on that because uh, I know the answer. Um, but I was stuck in a full screws course while I was down there and they failed me out of it on the last day. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, that hit us pretty hard. Yeah, I can imagine. It, it happened to me. I, mean, I did my full screws course in uh, Bosnia and I got to off it and basically it was down my own fault, down to fitness. Um, and that, oh, they were worried I wouldn't have been able to keep up on the final exercise so they took me off the course, which was a bit of a, an annoyance. But no, no, it, so it I did the final exercise. I did all the practicing for the pass out parade. Yeah. And it was when they were going back through and looking at things, the officer in charge, and I can't for the life of us remember his name, said that when we're doing the, um, it was a plan, a lot of the planning and stuff was based around Iraq, uh, Iraq and uh, Afghanistan at the time, yeah. of which I'd missed the tours on. So I didn't have the knowledge that some others did. So you, you didn't, you basically and didn't have the operational experience. I didn't have the operational experience and he flunked us on that. And um, what I found out not long afterwards, probably a couple of months after that course had finished, he got binned out of the army completely. But not before he um, screwed, screwed my career. Yeah, screwed other people's careers up. But yeah, there was nothing worse because at that time I was down Lark Hill as Provo staff. So I'd already been, <laughs> already had my full screw badges like so on yeah. for like ceremonial duties. And I ended up being security for the parade that I was meant to be on. That's a kicker. Just a bit. Yeah. Mind you, there were some perks at Lark Hill for the old RP stuff, I remember. Because when I was down there doing my two years, I used to watch the RP stuff and they used to like, uh, one of the perks was when the races were on, they'd, you'd do, they were doing like car park attendance and charging people to park the cars. I can't say that that happened while I was there. Yeah, yeah, of course it did. Uh, I don't know, I think they had to pay. They did have to pay to park the cars there. We're obviously one for you, one for me. One for you, two for me, type of thing. Yeah, we all knew that happened. I couldn't divulge. Yeah, of course you couldn't. Right, so you done your time down at Larkhill, then you went back three nine, um, and then you you left. You just you left the army. What happened there? Why? How? A story that I'd rather not go into. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, you don't have to go fully into it. I mean, I know you left almost on medical grounds, wasn't it? I left almost on medical grounds, but at the time um, I'd also um, stupidly been arrested for drink driving, being in the court for that. Uh, I had to move back to camp because I already had a house in Stakeford, but I had to move back into camp and try and run that as well as being there. And they said that there was no room for us. So they put me in a room in the training wing the, the training block behind 176. Right, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which was essentially the broom cupboard. It was a really like thin, narrow room that had the really big old fat heating pipes. Right, okay. Just get so any clothes on them. My room was like a sauna, yeah. but it literally was the cleaning cupboard. You could fit a single bed in, and then you had like maybe half a foot at the side of the bed. Right. And then the locker at the end, it was just a long, narrow room. And I was in there for a couple of months. Again, working back on the front gate. So that probably helped your decision to leave as well. They didn't care. Yeah. So why should you type of thing? Which is not really that surprising. People only tend to care about their own careers in the, in the army, unfortunately. And they don't really, you know, I mean, I've seen, we've both seen it. So there's some really, really good people in the military for man management and stuff like that and there's some dire people you know and it's not until you look back later on that you think well that could have been handled differently and stuff like that but I mean when we later on everything's in hindsight yeah of course it is but that's how you yeah. learn as well also reflecting on back on stuff yeah. like that I so, wasn't a good soldier I was an adequate soldier but I wasn't good I could I could do stuff to a standard but I didn't excel yeah and there's a lot of soldiers like that I mean look at me I would, oh Christ how long was I I did 27 years 
and got to the rank of full screen. I was no shining star, mm. but I managed to keep me, you know, keep, keep in there for a while. Yeah, but so, at, at the same time, I can remember back in. So this is going back a good while. Wait, one seven six. Well, no, sorry. So in AFC Harrogate because it was a school essentially, because I was still fifteen. Yeah. Well, I had to attend a year of school as well as doing one military training. That's why the training went over a year. Yeah, but it's a co- it's a college. Mm-hmm. On the first day, the history teacher, the military history teacher, said, "You're dyslexic," and nearly punched him. I didn't know what dyslexia was. No. no. And anyway, it was explained. It was I accepted it. Nothing more said. Then, fast forward a good few years. Once I got to the regiment and. Um, I was in 176 I mentioned that and they were like oh we'll have to stick you on some sort of course so they'd send me once a week in full military kit in a military vehicle which I drove myself uh, a Land Rover to Dalton College where yeah because you had to be screened no no this was to do a course right I'd had my screening back um, years before at FC Harrogate that's I'm pretty sure when you come back to the regiment again I had something to do with that I had to get you some dyslexic stuff you, you might have had something to do with that, but what someone thought would be funny was to send us to Dalton College once a week in full kit. And I was stuck into a class with people with um, severe learning difficulties and Down syndrome, where I was doing um, stuff like bat, hat, cat. Um, I, think I, I think I need a bit of that now. But but, I, mean, I, that, that, I don't think that was... I, I think that's just unfortunate. I think... In mid-twenties... Yeah, as a soldier, it it was downgrading, and it it put me. It, it just showed me the pity that people didn't care. And, oh, we'll do this for a laugh. No, I don't think they would have done. I, I don't. I don't think they would have done because it wouldn't have been their their their, their, their choice, really. I mean, you, you know, the average reading. I mean, when we were in, or when I was in, we we used to have to look at the education cohorts and stuff like that for the, the soldiers, and the average reading age. It's like 11 years old. Mm. You know, and that's not down to people being stupid. It's just that's the way it was. You know, and that's why, I mean, I know I noticed in the latter, latter part of my career that education was pushed more and more. The old CLM when that came in and stuff like that. Well, Bill, if, you know, you have to have the education, have the career to do the courses and stuff like that. And it was and it was pushed really hard. And it helped a lot of people. Oh, There's no. always people going to slip through the cracks. And you yeah. just dive through them yourself. Well, the thing was, the CLM, that side of it, I set up a part of it at Lark Hill for people that were coming in after me. I was just unfortunate that I didn't get to do it myself. So I helped arrange and plan the courses for people, on, and I went to the CLM training at, I believe it was Aldershot, yeah. for the course, for the management of it, because I was initially going to do the train the trainer once I came out. But it didn't come off. So you decided to leave. Was yeah. it a big decision or did it? It was an, it was an easy decision in the end. It wasn't the army that I joined in. And decisions were kinda of getting made around me anyway. The uh so you couldn't I mean I know I know what you mean and I remember it because I was there at the time. Um and there wasn't just you there was other people as well um, there was a lot of people who were getting basically told do one uh, and, and the thing is it was it was it was good in some ways because it was getting rid of some of the chaff I mean I'd, I was I'd more or less I left before you didn't I mm. you left before me I was yeah. never see I was never formally told or even put in the way of do one I went to get out under the um, voluntary redundancy yeah you didn't qualify for that did you I did did you I qualified for the voluntary redundancy but then they found out about my medical condition i.e. the allergy yeah and with the issue of an EpiPen they said it was a medical discharge which voided the redundancy so um, I lost out on the payout didn't know that you never told us that got 10 grand time served where I should have got about 75 grand You'd only drank it. Possibly. Could have got a house. No, you wouldn't have. Just I could have got three it. houses around here. Yeah, true. You'd have just, you'd have just drank it. I would have done. 
so you got out and I remember you moving to Bedlington yeah uh, just around the corner from me which was cool uh, and that's where I think we became close friends we kind of knew each other in the army but I wouldn't say we were like close friends no, or no, like that. in the army I probably popped around your house one or two times after we were being kicked out of the naffy bar or like, like everybody else did as well yeah or returning from town and the lights were on yeah yeah and party house weren't uh, many a time I'd walk out of the garden and we'd sat down and have a drink in the garden and somebody just walked through the, the gate you know it's in the light oh, yeah crack on so you end up living in Bedlington um, like I said I was just trying to come on from me uh, you weren't working at the time were you? no I was struggling to find work um, for eight months I probably went heavy into the drink just couldn't get a job anywhere went to the careers office careers office went to the job centre and they were treating me like I'd never had a job in my life. Um, said that I had to do sign for 21 jobs a week. Otherwise I get sanctioned, which means I wouldn't get any pay. Yeah. There wasn't 21 jobs worth applying for. Then I saw that there was jobs for support workers, which I didn't fully understand what it was. But... Um, started applying for them and got told like I had no qualifications so why was I applying for that job so I said well give me the qualification or put me on a course where I can get it essentially and eventually they did but in the meantime to this I'd um, you started working on the doors I started you? working on the doors I got him one of the other lads that I left had left the army a few years before who'd set himself up in the security business and then um, did my doors license and did a couple of years working on the doors with him. You, you've got all the trades on you. I remember you did the, was it the Undertaker's course or something? Uh, yeah. And a pub course or something. So I think you did the pub course just to go on a piss for two weeks. So because of the time that I'd served, I did get resettlement. Yeah. And I was looking at doing something with the Undertakers because I thought it's a job that's always going to be there. People are always going to die. Oh, yeah. But at the time, I looked for jobs with Undertakers. All the family run ones around here said you need to go for something more. Um, One of the franchise ones. Franchise. Like the, the, right like like yeah. the Corp, essentially. So I went for the Corp and Blythe, interviewed for them. But at the time, I was banned from um, driving. You were still banned from driving then? I was still banned from driving then. So I couldn't do what the job required at the time, which was picking up bodies as yeah. they dropped. And no, I've got, I've got family who runs yeah. under that. I know exactly I know all and about it. cleaning out the hearse and doing stuff like that because yeah. I couldn't get there. I couldn't rely on buses and taxis. No, I mean, the, you know, it'd be a bit of a shock for the family. You rock up with a taxi, well, it'd be a shock for the taxi driver. Just throw him in the back, it'd be all right. Or taking a cadaver on the bus. You know, there might be some logistical problems with that. Yeah. You know, type of thing. Um, going back going back a little bit, uh, to, you mentioned, you know, about resettlement. Uh, hang on, my turn for a beer. Thank you. The, uh, so going back to resettlement, did you find it useful? Did you find the process of resettlement helpful? You know, you had to go down and do that thing in like, uh, like sorry, Catrick. You had to go down to Catrick and do stuff like that there. I can't remember what they called it. Um, it's been 12 years, nearly 12 years since I did mine. I found it useful for other aspects, so yeah, I do think if you've Apart got... Apart just time off work. No, no. <laughs> so the person that was running the course down there was an ex-police officer quite high up, and he'd said, had I took my case to... Um, the Crown Court rather than the Magistrates I would have probably walked away with my licence because they had no evidence of me ever driving I remember you telling me the story we probably won't go into it on here um, maybe that's we'll do a drunken night podcast or something like that where we'll tell we'll tell stories that shouldn't be told uh, and decide whether to put that online or not um, yeah you were bound to rights mate there's no yeah. it wasn't as if you hadn't done it no in hindsight I, you know yeah. and, everyone makes mistakes you know oh exactly and I mean your mistakes inform how you move on yeah but with the again go back to the resettlement did you find the process helpful I can't remember much about the resettlement like actually going to the course just the courses that I did off the back of it yeah 
which I did then the pub landlord's course. Was it a licensed vitulus course or something like that? Or it was? Yeah. And I also did two weeks of Manchester as a locksmith. So Oh, yeah, I remember that yeah. one now. Yeah, because you came back and bought all, bought all the kit, didn't you? No, I got given all the kit as part of the course. You've still got it, haven't you? Sell yes. It. Sell it. You can't legally sell it, and you've got to report it that you've got the kits to the police because you've essentially got kit to break into people's You should sell it, though. You couldn't even open my shed door. I couldn't even open my car when I broke down the roundabout. <laughs> and I'm so, smashing the window with a brick. So you went from, I know you went, you were waiting on the doors over in Morpeth and that, weren't you? Morpeth, Blythe was a main one. I didn't know you did Blythe, I thought you just did Morpeth. No, I only did Morpeth once or twice. Shenanigans, which is... Yeah, the, 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 I think they were your more memorable ones, because they're the ones you've told me about. Yeah, and Blythe, I worked on the key there. Was it the key? Yeah. Worked on the key in Blythe, but my main one was um, Donny as a Texan. Which is where... That's where I, I, I meant Hexham, not Morpeth. Yeah, I meant Hexham. But no, I did actually work at Morpeth once or twice. Yeah. So I, remember, I know I know you spent quite a lot of money in uh, McDonald's on your way home after a shift. As you did, tell me about that a lot. So after doing the doors, you ended up working in care and you worked for a firm up in Annick. Yeah, so... When I was on the doors, I met a bloke called Zaid who um, worked during the day as the home care and he was telling us about support work and he himself was trying to basically start his own business in the home care sector and he was trying to get us to come in with him but I didn't have any money to like offset what he was putting into the business so yeah. but I like the idea of what he said and at the time was when I was still having to look for jobs with the door and I was applying and I eventually got put onto the level one health and social care. Yeah. During that course, probably, it was only a week long course, very basic, but three days into it, I got an interview for a company called Time to Care. Uh, during that interview, the manager at the time had said, oh, because um, I mentioned that I'd been in the forces, he said, oh, one of our interim managers, he was in the forces, you might know him. And I, I said politely, currently there's 120,000 people in the forces. And the chances of us knowing this person are pretty much slim to none. And in walks um, one of my full screws from 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> interview ended and um, you got, the job. got the job. Yeah. And right. it just seemed like fate was aligning me to go that way. I remember you starting working there and uh, you enjoyed it initially. I loved it. Yeah. That manager left. Another manager took over and we didn't see eye to eye. It's just the way it is really, isn't it? Um, I, know, I know you enjoyed working you know, with the people you, you were, were working with looking after. Um, you moved on from there after that. Oh, massively so. From the back of that... I'd, well, I was at Technica, I will say they put us through my level two, my level three MVQs. Yeah. Oh, I put myself through them while I was with the company. I was just starting my level five because level four had got wiped out at that point. So level five was the management MVQ. Yeah. But as I said, I didn't particularly get on with the manager. And then another manager came in um, who didn't run the company that great either. And decisions were made, and I decided to leave. And I applied for a job with the NHS, which I didn't know anything about at all. And that got me working at a secure children's unit at Newcastle. Sorry, what? A children's forensic unit at Newcastle. Forensic? Criminal past. That's better. I was going to say that. Forensic. They're all dead or something? I don't know. Um, so that's the secure unit in Newcastle yeah and how did that go thoroughly enjoyed my job and you carried on in that field now for the last few years as well yeah carried on that field since starting there obviously due to confidentiality I can't go much into what I do there no obviously yeah but um no, from day one, I'd said that I wanted to be a nurse. 
many years before in the army I'd wanted to go down the nursing route but got told I was too thick and I didn't have the courses which granted I didn't have the courses because when I was at school I didn't excel and then later I found out say I was dyslexic so that kind of answered that side yeah. of things so I mean you've done your life learning a, a different way oh yeah I've so done my life learning back to front yeah I don't the, take the um, easy path with anything well no obviously uh, so you went you decided to do a or apply for the nursing degree do you think since you before we move on to that side of it do you think that at any point um, since you'd left the army until like you're going for your nursing degree do you think uh, that being a veteran and I'm not I'm never too fond of using that term veteran because to me veterans are like from the second world war yeah you know what I'm saying but, but, but you know the, it, the in, in reality we both are type of thing I always consider the word veteran to mm. be like no but it's it's now even if someone says oh we need an adult I'll be looking around for someone older than me it's, I don't feel like in yeah, I, I mean I'm ancient I'd never feel my age but do you think that like being a veteran has helped you since you left the military or is it do you think that it could have hindered you in certain ways do you th did people treat you differently once they found out that you used to be in the army or did it not mean a job so, I mean I found personally that you know I'd be introduced to people in my job and stuff like that and they'd say oh yeah how long have you been doing this and I'd say oh, I've only been doing it for so many years before that I was in the army and and they just weren't interested whether I was in the army or not you I mean to, to us it was a big part of our lives to, to civilian yeah. people they don't give a toss not going to understand what you're saying to us it was our lives um, yeah it, it's not really concerning or if it was people would be like oh I would have joined the army but then um, I couldn't have stood someone shouting at us, I would have hit them. Right? Yeah, like, I, I don't no, know you wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> was going to join the army. I was going for that, but why didn't you? you know, I was going to become an officer. No, you weren't. I've had that a few times where people have said stuff that say, no, I was going to join this. No, you weren't. But no, it, the ethos of what the army instilled into us, I still carry forward today the punctuality, the. Um, I wouldn't call it perfectionism, but just trying to get the de fine detail down. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, how can I put it? The, I mean, you've said it to me before that the, the NHS is not too dissimilar. Oh, it's not. To it's the military. It's a military under works. a different name. It's got the rank structure, it's got the pay scale, it's, it's got the same problem with hierarchy that the military has. Far too many of them. Yeah. yeah. So going back, going on on your nursing degree. Um, so you've you've your nursing degree. You're going to be what is it a mental health nurse? Learn disabilities. So I applied for it three times. First two times I got knocked back. But it it was a lesson. It taught me basically perseverance to keep on going for it. It was what I wanted to do. Yeah. And the third time. I did it. I didn't think that I got it, and I had. You just ground them down, didn't you? <laughs> Possibly. I passed, but they said the proviso of us doing the nursing degree was I had to see a psychologist because they had no paperwork for my dyslexia assessment from yeah. many, many years before. And it was during that um, assessment with the psychologist that I found out I'm not dyslexic. Right, okay. Said, just, just stupid. <laughs> no, no, what they said... Sorry. Is, fine. No, what was said is um, I've got a non-specific learning disability. I've got slow cognitive processing. Yeah. And a lot of autistic tendencies. And now when I look back in hindsight to things that happened in the army and how I was and how I approached life, things sort of click into place. Yeah, no, I mean... I understand what you're saying and uh, unfortunately um, we're all guilty of not recognising that in other people because especially in something like the military it's a closed environment you don't get to really meet people who suffer mm. from it um, and if they do you don't know mm. but it was like I could I could have been out on a battery do or in town with 40 other blokes that I was in a part of the team with they were my family 
and I'd still feel like an outsider looking in but I never expressed that to the people at the time yeah because they just think you're weird yeah yeah, uh, yeah, I know and exactly what you mean. So, the social awkwardness sometimes. Yeah, and that's what I mean, the social awkwardness. And just the way that I approach things and how I'm quite sensory with things. And now I'm doing quite well tonight, I think. I'm not fidgeting. No, you are, but you're not, you're not as bad as you, you think. But doing this course and doing what I've been doing with uni, it's taught us that... I've been given a lot of coping mechanisms in ways around doing things. Yeah. Coping mechanisms which I've created over the past 20 years. It's just over the last few years I've been more defined on what is actually up with me and how I can use it to better myself. So, for example, I've got essays that are due in May. I'm pretty much done with them. It's just tinkering now where some people won't start last minute because that's how they like to do them my brain won't allow me to do that I've got to do it as early as possible yeah and then tinker but then I can tinker to the point where I then destroy it so I've got to like lock it away or send it hand it in no I know what you months mean months it's like the old thing if you're going to if you go on a holiday and you, you pack like when we used to go on tour you'd see people packing a kit up like weeks beforehand I packed my kit the night before the yeah Exactly. You know, for tours, I, didn't, stuff like I that. never used to forget anything. I found if I packed things early, I would I'd then go and think, oh, I need that. Or I don't. Need, and and you, you, you end up forgetting, mm -hmm. losing things or whatever. Well, I suppose it's a similar type of thing. For my tour for Kosovo, I turned up in um, civilian kit for the bus because I'd been on the drink the night before. Yeah, someone well, else that, had packed my bag, and <laughs> yeah, you didn't really help yourself much, did you? Um, right, it's a. Uh, I think it's time for us to wrap up on this really um we can always come back later on and discuss your um your nhs side of it if you want unless there's anything else you want to discuss about that at the moment no no i'm happy where we are yeah i mean the uh what i thought what i'm probably going to ask you now is to say leave that side of it um i don't talk about anything else that interests you i mean just so the people who are listening get a bit more of a feel for you, who you are, type of thing. Because they'll probably just listen to this coming through and think, yeah, God, he, he, he was fucking an idiot in the army, wasn't he? So, you know, but he wasn't, he wasn't, honestly, honestly he wasn't. He was a laugh. And everybody was. We all, had, we all had a good time. I mean, I know your main interests are really... Um... My main interests are quite insular. Because of the social awkwardness, I keep myself to myself quite often. I have... A large group of friends but only few that I'll see often and when I'm saying often it might be once or twice a year yeah I mean I, I, I don't know who else is guilty of that uh, yeah me but yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm an avid watcher of movies suppose you could call us a geek love me Doctor Who anything along that side of things and so what do you think of the new Doctor I think it'd be good I think they've gone down the walk side a bit but I don't know Russell T Davis has got a way of making it work I don't think it'll be as bad as the last one not saying that she was terrible the, the, I think the writing was bad for her and I don't want to sound a geek as well but I think the first season of Jodie Whittaker doing it was rubbish but again I think it was a writing but by the, the third one I think mm. I was enjoying it yes people I'm a Doctor Who fan as well um, me and Chris can go into some deep discussions on Doctor Who we won't this time but uh, we can do it no we're not doing a Doctor Who podcast there's plenty of people out there who knew far too much of it we could watch it would, would make us stupid we could watch an episode then review it uh, uh, that might be an idea tell you what that might be an idea uh, we might do that tonight if we've got a few more beers uh, well anyway I think we'll end it now um, it's been great talking on this and um, it's been a pleasure and we'll, Andy and we'll do it again we will do this one again alright so I'd just like to sign off now by saying thanks for listening, uh, thanks to Chris, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for your help. Bye-bye now.